Bear Books presents Ending Samsara, written by JW Voice and read by Daisy Ray. Part 1, Chapter 15, An Ugly Associate Zack could feel the pressure building in his temples as he collapsed onto the sofa in the tour bus. Like a petulant toddler, he leaned forward to swipe the stack of tabloids off the coffee table. The assortment he'd ordered Val to buy after overhearing his name on British radio. Tom had stood silent in the room for ten minutes, simply allowing the enraged artist to vent. All the while, the musician's phone was continually vibrating on the counter. Honestly, I'm absolutely done with this shit. What do you mean, done with what? Everything. They're setting me up. This is one massive conspiracy. Zack shut up and started to pace back and forth. Why do you say that? How else do you explain it? Yesterday everything was right as bloody rain, every sod with a keyboard piping up to praise the tour and the new tracks. I was back to being the golden child. He threw his arms in the air. Then I wake up this morning and they're calling me a criminal. Well, Tom started tentatively. Don't you think you should answer your phone? He nodded at the still-buzzing device on the table. For what? So I can find out that unbeknownst to me, I'm also somehow the head of a paedophile ring in Timbuktu. It's bullshit, mate. It's a bloody witch hunt. Look, no one is calling you a criminal. Ha! Zack scoffed. He picked up a paper and waved it. You not read these? Zack, try to calm down. I've read what the press is saying. Just tell me your side. My side? Right, well, I've never even stepped foot in Trinidad, nor have I been in a room with this Patrice fella, but apparently we're thick as thieves. Do you know him, though? No, Tom, I don't know him. I've maybe spoken to him on the phone, that's about it. OK, so you're affiliated with him. Listen, I thought he was legit. He flailed his arms at the paper-strewn coffee table. I didn't know any of this shit. Just let me get an idea, Zack. Who exactly is he to you? I don't know. Just some silent investor. Okay, an investor in what? A couple of the PLCs I own. I think, um, Hedonistic Sensations, Zack Tech. I can't bloody remember. Well, I'm sorry, but you need to start getting your story straight for when you talk to the lawyers. Zack started pacing the room again. He took a few breaths and read one of the articles in full. Zach Hedonis linked with South African crime lord. Details emerged this morning of the apprehension and subsequent arrest of one of the world's most notorious cyber criminals. An extensive raid carried out on the Trinidadian property of 37-year-old Patrice Beenhauer, also known as The Ghost, confirmed his connection to a catalogue of crimes ranging from cyber theft and fraud to human trafficking and prostitution. But in a bizarre turn of events, it was also revealed that the hacker had strong business connections to soft rock sensation Zach Hedonis, real name Zach Waters. With sources confirming that Mr. Beanhauer provided funding and creative control to at least two of the artist's own companies, Mr. Waters has as of yet been unavailable for comment. This news emerges in the midst of a troubled world tour, the opening date of which was inexplicably cancelled the intoxicated revelation singer 
was also allegedly connected to a large quantity of confiscated narcotics. Sources say that the property of Mr Beanhower was raided after an anonymous tip-off. The informer, thought to be a local child whom the hacker was grooming, cannot be named for legal reasons. Where do these pricks get off calling my shit soft rock and using my real bloody surname? I think that's probably the least of your worries, Zack. Zack tossed the paper onto the floor with the others. I've had it, mate. You don't know how close I am to jacking all this in and getting on the next plane to Bora Bora. You can't be serious. You're in the middle of a tour. You can't just... Look, pal, Zack interrupted. I can do whatever the hell I like, he pointed at Tom. No one tells me what I can and can't do. Okay, okay, Tom raised his hands. Listen, it's a beautiful day outside, you're not performing and we don't even have that much driving to do. Why don't we find a nice place to eat, have a few beers and calm down? I'm way past a few bloody beers, mate. I need to get wrecked out my skull. I don't think that's a good idea. To be honest, I couldn't really give a stuff what you think. I'm just saying it might be prudent to keep a lower profile right now with everything that's going on. The last thing we want is to draw any more undue attention from the press. I just think we should have some nice food and unwind a bit, you know? No, a nice meal isn't going to cut it. If you want me to play tomorrow, I need a proper escape. I need to get so obliterated that I forget my own bloody name for a few hours. Zack, please listen to me. As your tour manager and as your friend, I just don't think going out and having one of your famous benders is going to solve anything. It's just not the right thing to do under the circumstances. Okay, Tom, you listen to me. As my tour manager and my friend, I just want to tell you that nobbing Val is not the right thing to do under the circumstances. Tom's eyes widened and his mouth fell open and he shuffled uncomfortably on his feet. How? Bit of a conflict of interest, really, isn't it? Zack interrupted. He suppressed the part of his conscience that objected to taking this angle. Deep down, he conceded that using such information as leverage was poor form. He also knew it was a tactical ace in the hole. At the very least, it would knock the sententious wind right out of the man's sails. I frankly don't care what you get up to, but before you preach to me about what's appropriate, have a little glance in the mirror, yeah? The ploy seemed to have had the desired effect. How long have you known about that? Tom asked. Irrelevant. My point is, you do you, mate, and let me do me. Tom sighed, a subtle but discernible sign of defeat. Zack smiled and sat back down, momentarily enjoying his victory before the mild dose of guilt set in. Let's put that aside, shall we? What I need right now is a monstrous supply of cocaine and women. I don't think the latter is too much of a stretch, but I'm going to need your help for the former. Zack, I've not long recovered from the last time I tried to buy you drugs. Do you want me to get arrested again? All I'm asking for is one night, mate. And don't worry, I won't be needing those kinds of quantities this time. I reckon three grams ought to do it. Zack raised a finger. Tell you what, you just find a place that will provide me with what I need and we'll figure out the rest later. Zack pushed himself up from the sofa. I'm going to pop a Xanax and have a kip. Wake me up in a couple of hours and we'll hit the road. 
As was typically the case, Tom did as he was told. He headed for the exit, looking defeated. boy," the Aussie yelled as he clumsily rifled through one of his several medicine cupboards. Zack awoke with a start to periodic rapping at his bedroom window. He wanted to check the time on his phone and remembered he was ignoring it. He fumbled in the dark for his wristwatch instead, concluding that Tom had shown good judgement. Three hours was an acceptable amount of time to be left to nap. He rolled off the bed and pulled on a pair of jogging bottoms. There had been multiple insistences in the past where he'd sent the man packing for waking him too early or severely scolded him for the reverse. Zack switched on his coffee machine on the way to let Tom in. What's the plan then, he said as he retrieved a coffee mug. Okay, from my research, there's a music festival about 30 miles away. I spoke to the organiser directly and managed to get us some comped tickets. Ah, good lad. Zack took a big glug of strong black coffee, mildly recoiling at the bitterness. A festival is a champion idea on a day like today. I'll undoubtedly know some geezers on the line-up. We can jump on the groupie situation backstage. I'm not sure about that. Why is that? Zack frowned, dismissive. He'd rejected various opportunities to headline massive rock festivals in the UK on account of his ability to sell out giant arenas on his own. He was friendly with most of the bands who accepted, however. He'd surely at least know a headliner or two. I don't know if you'd know any of these particular artists. Of course I will, Zack scoffed. Unless, what kind of biddly festival is this? What's the attendance? Around 80,000, I think. There you go, that's decent. I don't think it's your crowd, though. I mean, how familiar are you with Balloonhead or DJ Octavia or Geostrat? The confident smile Zack had been wearing faded suddenly. Oh God, is this bloody EDM? Tom smirked. Have you heard of Ultrasonic Festival? Zack sighed. No, I have not. You want me to think of something else? No, sod it. There will unquestionably be drugs there, and likely a few thousand scantily clad females to boot. I'm still game. Maybe it's time to broaden my demographic. Yeah, I'm sure you'll manage that off your face and lost in a crowd of ravers. Listen here, mate. Zack Adonis is not lost in any crowd. Much like Elvis or Jesus, my reputation crosses all divides. <laughs> ah, glad to hear you're in one of your God-complex moods. Maybe today you should take one of these ego-dissolving drugs you're always banging on about. Zack laughed, spitting out some of his coffee. Although he was used to the occasional humbling jibe from his friend, this one took him off guard. Go get yourself ready, you little prick. Tom chuckled and left the room. Ugh, dance music, Zack muttered to himself. He took a quick shower and decided on an outfit, suddenly conscious that his wardrobe probably couldn't accommodate such an event. He settled on a black wife-beater, skinny jeans and biker boots, adorned himself with his usual embellishment of bracelets and necklaces. He stared at his reflection for several minutes, tensing his tattooed arms. While he styled his hair... This is going to be a young crowd, he considered, with a quiver of insecurity. He thought of how he might be perceived by large groups of dance-loving strangers and gave himself a small pep talk. You're going to look a little older, Zacky boy, a little different to everyone else, but you're still a looker. You're still cool. You're cool anyway. Don't forget it. When he stepped outside and found Tom, who was dressed in a brightly coloured vest and trainers, 
he broke into hysterical laughter. Yeah, yeah, we'll see who looks more out of place, Tom said. Zack stopped laughing. Driver ready? His manager nodded. Get back on the bus, then numbnuts. The Aussie was in his element when the tour bus started moving. The current arrangement confined his accompanying band to their separate and decidedly more modest bus. It was good to finally have a companion to drink and chat with as they hit the road. You ask any of the musicians if they wanted to tag along? I think they're just going to carry on to Newcastle and meet us before soundcheck tomorrow. Bunch of pussies, Zack said this with an unspoken understanding. His tour manager had likely not even asked them to join. He had a strong suspicion that his colleagues couldn't stand him and that Tom was wholly aware of this. The Aussie was at least grateful that someone liked him. While he'd never admit this to his manager, he was certain the touring experience would be almost intolerable without his company. In the hour-long journey through the sunlit British countryside, Zack didn't waste any time in knocking back an obscene amount of shots and he pressured his companion to follow suit. No, Zack. I draw the line at absinthe, Tom said in protest, to which Zack threateningly brandished the opened bottle. It's either going down your gullet or all over that stupid top. Tom promptly acquiesced. By the time they noticed the festival signage along the road, the two of them were suitably inebriated, Tom considerably more so. I think I love her, you know. The tour manager slurred as the bus joined the queue of large vehicles entering the car park. Nonsense, Jack replied. How old are you, 26, 27? I'm 31. There you go, still a child. You've got another decade before you should even consider settling down. Tom shook his head and laughed. What about you? What about me? Do you think you'll ever find the right woman and settle down yourself? Joking, aren't you, mate? Let me give you a piece of advice. A man is only as faithful as his options, and while my options are coming in thick and fast as they are, I'd be an absolute lunatic to limit myself to one snatch for the rest of my life. Beautiful, Tom mocked. You should write poetry. Ha! Come take a sneak peek through my bedroom window from time to time, me old chum. You'll see poetry in motion. Tom sniggered, rolling his eyes. Think I'll pass. Christ, eyes outside, Tommy boy. Zack nodded towards a group of young women congregated around a car, all of whom were dressed in tiny denim shorts. I want you to forget about that Val chick for a day. There's a bloody aquarium on offer out there. Don't just stick with the goldfish you won at the fairground. Tom rolled his eyes once more. Do you not ever get bored of it? All these meaningless one-night stands. Don't you ever crave a bit of intimacy? Ugh, you want intimacy? Light a candle and have a bubble bath. All those sloppy love films you've clearly been watching, they conveniently omit all the boredom and nagging. You've never been in love? Oh, Jesus. Maybe I shouldn't have given you that absinthe. Well, haven't you? Zack hesitated. His initial thought was to lie. He felt oddly at ease. Actually, there was one Sheena, as it happens. Oh, now this is a revelation. Tom perked up from his slouched, drunken position. Settle down. Must have been quite a woman to slip by the defences of the great Zack Hedonis. Anyone ever tell you you sound like a fifth-rate Shakespearean when you've had a couple? He shrugged. She is, though, actually. What happened to her? Nothing. Still in contact with her. 
A wave of comprehension seemed to wash over Tom. Wait, don't tell me this is the person I hear you having all those long phone conversations with every now and then. Nosy little sod, aren't you? Zack paused. Yes, it is. Not that it's any of your business. Ah, the plot thickens. Were you once an item then? For a brief spell, yeah. What happened? Did she get sick of your bullshit? You're getting a bit brave, aren't you, son? Definitely shouldn't have given you that absinthe. Tom started giggling like a child. Couldn't agree more, he hiccuped. I'm trashed and it's your fault. But please, more about you and the one that got away. Zack sighed. It was a long time ago. I was nicer back then, starry-eyed and a bit less jaded. He felt a twinge of sadness as he spoke, as if he was appreciating the truth of it for the first time. He considered that if he and Sam were still together, she wouldn't have tolerated the person he'd become. He coughed, trying to brush away the realisation. Anyway, we both wanted different things. She's like me in some respects, not really the settling down type. Just before Tom could ask any more follow-up questions, the bus came to a clattering halt. Zack was thankful for the reprieve. Right then, dickhead, cut the soppiness, it's party time. It was pleasantly warm when they stepped out onto the festival grounds. One of the hottest days on record, Tom had mentioned, a statistic the Aussie was thoroughly underwhelmed to hear. They'd parked up in an area designated for coaches and other large vehicles. There were few people around and the rock star was perturbed to hear that they had a good ten minutes walk to reach the arena. Tom appeared to sober up enough on the way. He switched on his administrative brain and led them to the box office. Zack loitered nearby. He lit a cigarette and studied the groups of attendees pouring in, quickly observing two significant details. Firstly, Tom was right. Zack stuck out like a sore thumb. Shorts, trainers and lurid vests did seem to be the prevalent trend amongst the males in attendance. Secondly, they all looked positively embryonic. He tried desperately to spot someone on the wrong side of 25, but came up decidedly short. Since the emergence of Google and Wikipedia, gone were the days when he could convincingly lie about his age. He decided not to let this depressive fact bother him too much, and was cheered up to note that at least the ratio of women to men was healthy, and a prime selection of the fairer sex there was. It was true that a rock festival would have contained far more of his own demographic and he would almost certainly have been mobbed by now, standing out in the open like this. But on the whole, the women here seemed distinctly more concerned with their appearance than a rock festival crowd. He smiled at the few he made eye contact with. Nice tats, one girl yelled at him before disappearing inside. Nice tits, he thought as he watched her go. Zack hadn't always been such a stereotypically poor representative of his gender. Before his rise to fame, he was a bit of a romantic. Years of the debauched, touring lifestyle had since remoulded him, or at least this was how he excused himself. Tom returned a moment later, wielding two colourful wristbands. They each slipped them on and joined the queue to the entrance. As they emerged on the other side of a marquee, in which a surly gentleman in a high vest tugged at their bands, Zack recoiled at the overpowering sound of bass and programmed drums. He noticed that the pockets of revellers spread out across the field seemed more concerned with dancing than the artists on each stage. Right, straight to the bar, the musician commanded. 
I'm not going to enjoy a second of this sober. He gave Tom his drinks order and a wad of notes and lingered at the other end of the queue. It wasn't long before he encountered what he'd secretly been desiring. The first people to openly recognise him. Unfortunately, they had decidedly too much facial hair and testosterone for his liking. Hey, I know you, the first young man shrieked at him. You're that Aussie singer, aren't you? Guilty as charged, Zack said casually. No way, it is him, chimed in his friend, who chose to adopt a poor Australian accent. Good day, mate. Good day, Jack replied with a discernible sarcasm. What are you doing at Ultrasonic? asked the first one, who couldn't have been much more than a teenager. Well, I guess the same thing as you, mate. Booze and women, Zack replied. He was certainly not about to claim that he was there for the music. Yes, bro, the slightly older one roared. He held out his fist, which Zack reluctantly bumped with his own. Wouldn't have thought this was your type of scene, said the teenager. Well, you know, it's good to broaden your horizons and all that. Fair play, the teenager pointed towards one of the stages in the distance. You might learn something from these guys. Zack smirked. Doubtful, he said. This went down about as well as he might have anticipated. You what? said the older man with a furrowed brow. No disrespect, pal, but this all just sounds like noise to me. Then why are you here? the younger one snapped. Told you, booze and women. The teenager nodded. Maybe you should pay attention to the stages, though, he said. Take some inspiration. It might make your own music sound a bit less shit. Zack slid up his shades and looked at the young man in the eye. The fuck did you just say? You said your music's shit, mate, interjected his friend. Zack calmly turned to him. Pipe down, fatty, if I wanted a clown's opinion, I'd be at the circus. Admittedly, it wasn't one of his best put-downs, but at least it was quick. You're looking for a slap, you old twat, the younger man yelped. The Aussie smiled and looked away, then his grin promptly vanished as he gave the lad a forceful shove, sending the teenager stumbling back. Whoa, whoa, shouted another person, fast approaching. Zack turned to notice it was Tom, holding a huge tray of drinks. He stepped in between his employer and the men. Let's call it right there. The two lads seemed to size him up, their eyes darting back and forth between the pair. Perhaps judging from the look of Tom and Zack's substantial physiques in their tight tank tops, and acknowledging that the former appeared to be giving them an out, they both appeared to relax. Tell you, mate... He needs to watch his mouth, muttered the older one as they skulked away. Zack fixed his gaze on them until they vanished into the sea of people surrounding the main stage. What the hell was that all about? Tom asked. Just a couple of pricks looking for trouble. Zack pushed his sunglasses back down. He felt his heart rate returning to normal. Do I need to remind you why you dragged us here? It was to try and forget all the undue attention on you at the minute, not create more. Relax, I would have handled them. Not what I meant at all. Do you want an assault charge added to your list of problems? Fine, you're right, I'll behave. And just like that, he smiled as if nothing had happened. What you got there? he asked. Everything you asked for. Cocktails, shots, beer... Add a boy, let's find a table and set them down. 
The field was heavily scattered with people and the mid-afternoon sun beating down hard on the vivacious scene showed no signs of relenting. Tens of thousands of partygoers were dancing loudly, chatting or otherwise crammed together in front of one of the four stages in the foreground. I can't believe how many people would come to this thing, Zack said as they found an unused high table to the right of the bar. There's life outside of rock music, you know, Tom replied. I know that, but look at them, all fighting to get a good look at some numpty pressing a play button. I think you'll find there's more to it than that. They do all the mixing live. Big whoop. Besides, most of them have live bands now. Tom nodded towards the enormous screen above the main stage. Look! The cameras flitted back and forth between a DJ on a plinth and the half-dozen musicians playing beside him. Christ, you're right. What an absolute waste of time and talent. Whatever. Shot? Yes, Tommy boy. Let's try and get in the mood. They toasted with plastic shot glasses filled with an ominous dark liquid and knocked them back in synchronisation. Tom shook his head and smiled through gritted teeth. Well, I'll be, if I knew all it took was ditching the suit and tie and throwing on a girly vest to make you loosen up a bit, I'd have made it mandatory. Good one. How's the goth look working out for you here? Pfft, fine, mate. You stick with the flock. But when do you ever see a sheepdog in a woolly white coat? Tom rolled his eyes and Zack wore a self-satisfied grin at his own cleverness. Tell you something though, pal. You've got some guns on you. He reached out and squeezed Tom's arm. Where you been hiding these bad boys? The tour manager seemed to blush at the compliment. On Zack's instruction, the men knocked back two more shots and chased them down with a beer. Soon after, they were approached by three attractive girls, perhaps a decade younger than Tom. Zack nodded at them. Here we go, son. Knew my adoring public couldn't keep away for long. Oh my God, it is you, one of them called over. Told you, said the expression on the Aussie's face as he glanced at Tom. How you doing, love? See, girls, I knew it was him, the petite brunette said to her friends as the group joined their table. You're Zack Adonis, aren't you? In the flesh, he replied with a swagger. You want a selfie? Oh my God, would you mind? She slid out her phone from the pocket of her minute pink shorts. Zack put his arm around her and grinned. Her skin felt soft and supple. My mum is such a massive fan. She's going to be so jealous. The singer's smile levelled out just in time to be immortalised forever in a flurry of snaps. Thank you, the girl said, flicking through the half-dozen photos. Yeah, no worries, love. She saw you in London a week ago, said you were absolutely amazing. Great, you send her my love, Zack said, almost managing to sound sincere. From the corner of his eye, he caught Tom suppressing a laugh so violent that he started to choke. So why are you here? Shouldn't you be doing a show of your own right now? It's my day off. Thought I'd blow off a bit of steam, you know. It's my day off, she repeated. God, I love your accent. Where are you headed to next? Oh, I'm terrible for knowing that stuff. You'd have to ask my main man here. This is Tom. Sorry, ladies, I didn't get your names. Hi, Tom. I'm Lucy. This is Natadine and Amber. Lucy gestured to a beautiful girl with cornrows and the thin blonde beside her. Tom replied with a reserved hi. He informed them that Newcastle was the next stop on their tour, 
to which Zack mentioned that he could hook Lucy's mum up some free tickets and backstage passes if she was interested. Although still inwardly offended that the girls were apparently a generation too young to be fans, he overlooked this as he still seemed to sense flirtatious vibes from the vocal brunette. She thanked him repeatedly for his offer. He observed that the girls were all vigorously chewing gum. It was, of course, a possibility that they were all innocent advocates of fresh breath and mastication. Given the setting, though, he was almost certain they were each dabbling in extracurricular activities. Zack announced that the five of them should finish the ten remaining shots on the table, a proposition that was thoroughly welcomed by everyone except Tom. After this, he gave one of his oversized cocktails to Lucy, who responded by calling him an absolute sweetheart. She explained that she and Natalie were camping on site that night and Amber had to leave after the final acts had finished. Zack quickly chugged a beer which he followed up with another cocktail. He then picked up the last one from the table and let the girls lead the way as he and his new friends navigated through the crowds, briefly stopping to catch the odd ten minutes of seemingly indistinguishable DJs. Zack's ego was appeased by the odd raver who recognised him and asked for a photo. Thankfully, none of whom told him his music was shit. Lucy seemed to be enjoying Zack's notoriety almost as much as he was. She found her way into the majority of the requested selfies and became increasingly more touchy-feely with the musician each time. They eventually settled inside the largest music tent. The comparative darkness coupled with an explosion of strobe lights and lasers and the occasional blast from smoke machines made it reminiscent of a dingy trans nightclub we might have frequented a decade or so ago. After a trip to the bar inside the tent, the girls chanted for the rock star to down his cocktail. Rising to the occasion, he accomplished this in under two seconds and received a cheer from his new acquaintances, as well as several onlookers. Your tolerance is higher than an eight-foot alcoholic, Tom said with an indistinguishable mixture of disgust and admiration. Cheers, I'm going to need something significantly stronger than a few cocktails to carry on listening to this nonsense, though. Like what? Coke, speed, pills, anything. Did you say pills? Lucy had re-emerged from a circle of dancers to overhear their conversation. I might have, Zack replied. Why, you got some? Yes, way more than we're going to take. You want one? You sure? Of course. Besides, I owe you for the drinks. You, Lucy, are what we call a diamond sheila back where I'm from. Lucy giggled. No worries, Chuck. Ha, <laughs> ah, you been to us? Yeah, passed through at the end of my gap year six months ago. Of course you did, Zack thought with a smirk. Lucy retrieved her phone, peeled back the case and slipped out a tiny plastic bag from inside. What about you, Tom? Yeah, Tommy boy, you gonna take a walk on the wild side? Uh, no, I don't think. Come on, Tommy boy, Lucy interrupted. Don't be a wet wipe. Zack burst out laughing. You heard of me, don't be a wet wipe. What is it? Tom asked, sounding distinctly naive. Just E, said Lucy. It'll last two hours, tops pal, said Zack. Then you'll go right back to your old boring self. Tom looked to Lucy and then to Zack almost pleadingly. Do it, do it, Lucy started chanting before Zack joined in. Do it, do it, do it. Oh fine, if it'll shut you both up. Lucy handed one to him with a satisfied grin, then another to Zack. 
You beauty, he said, immediately shoving it in his mouth and washing it down with a large swig of beer. Zack advised his friend to switch to bottled water as he handed him another wad of notes and sent him back to the bar. Lucy chose to wait with the Aussie on the outskirts of the main crowd while Amber and Natalie ventured further in to dance. He lit a cigarette before handing Lucy one too. She regarded him for a moment. How old are you? she suddenly asked him through a mouthful of smoke. Not that old, he replied, but I feel about 95 amongst all you pups. Lucy laughed. You sure don't party like a 95-year-old. How old are you? Zack asked. 22. Ugh, to be 22 again, Zack said with a glint in his eye. So go on, your turn. I can just Google it, you know. That I do know. Well, Wikipedia will tell you that I'm 36, but truth be told, I'm 38. Ooh, honesty, I'm impressed. I'm not ashamed of it. You've got to bear in mind that 38 is much younger in rockstar years. Is it now? How do you work that one out then? We're like vampires. We age slower because every year for us is like a lifetime for your average schmo. Interesting take. Ask any of us. The experiences I've had, the sheer number of places I've found myself in, I should be a thousand years old by now. I see your point. Are you married? Any kids back home? Nope, never. Not even a girlfriend? Not even that. Interesting. What about Tom? I mean, he is handsome but a little too needy for my liking. Lucy giggled. You know what I'm asking. Yeah, he's dating my PA, the sly little dog. Zack suddenly felt a twinge of guilt. He'd not thought about his encounter with Val for a few hours. Natalie thinks he's really good looking. Oh, shame. Sorry to disappoint. Probably wouldn't stop her. Well, he is a strapping young bloke, you know, for a wet wipe. I don't know, I'm more interested in his boss. Is that so? Lucy positioned herself closer to him and they each started to slowly lean in. Their faces were almost touching when they were both suddenly startled by a shout from behind them. Got your drinks? Unbelievable, Zack muttered. Lucy sniggered. They turned to see Tom holding another huge tray of drinks and wearing an equally enormous grin. As he drew near, it was apparent that his pupils now engulfed the entirety of his eyes. Nice timing, dickhead, Zack bellowed, and somehow Tom didn't seem to hear. The song they'd just played, he yelled, it was incredible. I bet a lot of things sound pretty incredible to you right now, don't they, Tommy boy? How are you feeling? I feel incredible. Nice vocab. Why don't you have a sip of that water there? Tom obliged, nearly gulping the entire bottle in one go. Lucy was in stitches. How are you feeling, Rockstar, she said, after she'd caught her breath. Starting to feel a nice little buzz, yeah. As he watched his tour manager dancing enthusiastically to a beat only he could hear, the Aussie felt a pang of jealousy. Admittedly, he was starting to come up. A warm fuzziness was setting in, along with an acceleration of his heartbeat and an intense cognizance of the surrounding noise. But he knew that it would never be as it once was. The sensation could never be as powerful as the rush his friend was now experiencing. Zack had done ecstasy so many times in the past that he was sure he'd exhausted a large supply of serotonin than he was ever likely to exploit again. Still, it was good to feel the familiar sense of warmth and sensory overload. Perceptions that typically came as accessories to the euphoria 
and yes, the vague noise he could hear in the distance did suddenly sound more palatable. Shall we go dance? Lucy asked. Yes, Tom roared with zero hesitation. I dunno, better sink a few of these first, said Zack. I don't trust this bozo carrying them. Zack plundered more than his share of drinks, making sure they were few enough for them to hold in their hands. You're an absolute machine, Lucy said with more than mild admiration. Zack winked at her. They found the other girls as they moved into the crowd. Zack donated one of his drinks to Nataline simply because he didn't want to carry it. Are you going to shag him later? Nataline yelled at her friend, entirely devoid of subtlety. Because I think you should. Shh, Lucy hissed. Zack laughed. We're staying here then, ladies, he asked, trying to save Lucy's blushes. Amber consulted her lanyard. Okay, well, there's a couple of good DJs on the main stage, then cryptic beater on the second one in a bit. Their singer is phenomenal, we can't miss her. Sounds good to me, girls, lead the way. He turned back to notice something and laughed. Actually, maybe we should wait here for a stretch. Through the gaps between the attendees and the structure of the tent, he noticed a steady shower of rainfall. I knew this pommy sunshine wouldn't hold. Oh no, Amber yelled. I'm sure it'll stop, Lucy said. The stark change in weather was no match for the chemically uplifted group. Unperturbed, all five of them marched closer to the stage and found a pocket of open space where they could dance. Even Zack was in high enough spirits to join in. Suitably disinhibited by the ecstasy, he jumped around with his younger companions. Before long, he even started to become lost in the music, shedding all self-consciousness and eagerly awaiting each dizzying progression. You're starting to vibe this, Lucy yelled in his ear. It has its place, he yelled back. He felt temporarily ageless, somehow infinite. He finally understood the appeal of a culture that had always eluded him. What other parts of life have I closed my mind to, he wondered. The third act they'd watched on stage closed their set and he caught his breath. A sheen of sweat now covered his brow and bare arms. Amber pointed behind them. Look guys, it's stopped raining, let's head outside. The journey to the second stage was brief, made briefer by Tom who was popping and locking the entire way there with the occasional accompaniment of the robot, much to the amusement of everyone who happened to clap eyes on him. Cryptic Beat, as they were called, emerged to a rumble of cheers as soon as the group neared the stage, perfectly timed to coincide with the spectacle of a burnt orange setting sun. Its glowing rays punctured the clouds to provide an impossibly vivid backdrop. As the performing singer ran to the edge of her stage and dived into a few opening notes, Zack felt a sudden feeling of familiarity. He looked up to the screen and smiled. You're right, Amber, he yelled. She has got some pipes on her. Told you. I should know, I've performed with her enough times. No effing way, you know Tory Blaze. Well, I know her as Tory Jenkins, but Blaze is probably better. Zack was extremely appreciative of the sudden turn the festival had taken. His dreary tour manager was off his nut, he was dancing with three attractive girls, and despite all odds, actually enjoying the music. Halfway through one of the slower, more atmospheric songs, he felt a hand tugging at his arm. He turned to immediately feel it clasped to the back of his neck. 
Lucy pulled him in for a rather forceful kiss. Woo! he heard Amber and Natalie shriek in unison. He broke from the kiss to see Lucy giving them the finger. After his friend closed her set with a final blistering vocal, Zack got everyone's attention. Right, you lot, follow me. Without another word spoken, he marched towards the side of the stage. This was blocked off with metal barriers and brawny security guards. Zack yelled at one of them. All right, pal, can you let us through? I need to see my friend. Backstage passes? It's all good. I know her. He suddenly spotted the performer descending a set of stairs. Look, her mate, Tori. Yeah, right, Tommy Lee, the guard scoffed. No passes, no entry. The others had joined him at the fence now. Ah, oh, sod this, Zack said. He placed his thumb and forefinger in his mouth and let out a whistle so loud and piercing that the guard in front of him winced. Tory! he yelled. The security guard looked just about ready to punch Zack when Tory turned and started heading over. Oh my God, she yelled. She jogged over to the fence to the puzzlement of the guard. It is you! She placed a hand on the fence. What the hell are you doing here? Watched your set. Absolute blinder it was. Are you busy? No, I'm just about to hang out for a bit. She smiled. Would you like to join me? Certainly. You mind letting my pals back there too? They'd be thrilled to meet you. For you, Zaki, anything. She turned to the guard. It's okay, they're with me. That's a good lad, Zack said with the smuggest of grins. The guard unhooked and separated the barrier, not looking the least bit happy about it. The Aussie stared intently at the man. He continued to grin at him as he let the other four backstage. Oh my God! Amber surprised Zack by pouncing at him, plunging her head into his chest and squeezing him around the waist. Thank you! Zack chuckled, slightly winded. No worries, love. He lowered his voice. Play it cool. Sorry, the blonde said, regaining her composure. Shit, you're even more beautiful up close, she yelled at Tori. The remaining three trailed Zack, Tori and the preposterously starstruck Amber through the enclosed area backstage. Various musicians and their crew were sat on benches or talking in groups. Would you guys like a beer? Tori turned back to ask. Sure, I'll have a cold one, Zack said casually. She delved into a massive icebox and passed a bottle to him. The three girls each eagerly received one too, although Zack was certain they would have gladly accepted arsenic from the singer. Probably just a water for this one. He nodded at spaced out Tom, who was obliviously dancing to the trance music blaring from the sound bar on the nearest bench. I see, said Tori. Tori, that's Tom. This is Amber, Lucy and Natalie. Nice to meet you guys. She smirked, how on earth do you know each other? Well, we only met the girls today, but Tom here is my tour manager. Tori laughed, glad to see you're in such safe hands. Yeah, in all fairness to the bloke, he's usually pretty switched on, but he's had a little try of Mandy for the first time today. Oh, and I'm sure you had nothing to do with that, Tori said with a knowing smile. He's all right, aren't you, Tom? Tom gave a thumbs up. Incredible, he said, not breaking his rhythm. So I've noticed your name in a few papers today, said Tori. I was going to text you to check in, actually. Not that you would have replied. Yeah, I'd rather not think about all that right now, love. That's why I'm here, actually. Nice to see you haven't changed. 
Tom continued to dance on his own and the four who'd remained generally lucid chatted with Tori, mostly praising her for her set. Amber, however, proceeded to compliment her on everything from her eyelashes to the size and shape of her feet. When the next act, a deep house collective called Mockshade entered the fray, the girls' excitement intensified. Lucy and Natalie split off and mingled with the newcomers while Amber remained attached to Tori like a limpet. Zack felt a friction of insecurity as he watched Lucy with the group of so-called musicians. He promptly decided that he was far better looking than any of them and had no need to worry. Then he grimaced, realising she probably appreciated their music more. When talk with Tori turned to Zack's tour dates, Tom had finally floated down from cloud nine, at least enough to be able to hold an actual conversation. Zack was also feeling the effects of his pill starting to fade. He was now entering the distinctly less rapturous and more introspective aspect of the experience. He did not enjoy this phase one bit. He generally took drugs to escape, not to barricade himself inside with his own thoughts. While Amber was insisting on hearing more of Tori's life story, he discreetly turned to Tom. I need coke, mate. Lots of. Wipe out the residuals of this Monday. Does that really work? Oh, yes, son. Remember, you're speaking to a connoisseur. There are few drugs you can take on this planet that can't be offset by the appropriate dose of cocaine. Keeping a keen eye on the men speaking to Lucy and Natalie and Zach had noticed one of them racking up lines on the screen of his tablet. He excused himself and approached them. Evening, gents, he said. Zach, said Lucy excitedly. This is Martin, Seb, Duncan and Sal. Guys, this is Zach. Oh, we know who he is, replied Seb, a slight gentleman with a shaved head. Do you think we live under a rock? Pleasure to make your acquaintance. I couldn't help but notice that you're partaking in some winter sports. Seb laughed. Yeah, you want a line? I'd love one, mate. Any chance you'd also be able to point me in the direction of a supplier? One of our roadies hooked us up. Think he just found a link from inside the venue. I'll go find him. Zack helped himself to an ample streak of Zeb's powder while the man summoned the roadie from somewhere nearby. The portly gentleman passed Zack a phone number. Tell him Trev sent you, he said. Zack checked his wallet, cursing slightly at his findings. The few thousand pounds he'd started the day with had dwindled to below 800. Not a surprising development. He remembered intentionally leaving his bank card on the tour bus. He returned to Tom going to need you to meet a contact inside the venue mate here's 700 quid he handed over the wad of notes give him that and ask for 10 grams of coke zach lowered his voice now he's going to say it's a hundred a gram or something silly mention that you've just tried his stuff and seven is more than reasonable tom shook his head i already hate the sound of this he said listen just tell him he isn't going to be selling much more of it here today anyway and you know for a fact he won't get any more than 60 a G for it on the street, say you're doing him a solid by giving him 700. Something seemed to suddenly register with Tom. Wait, this morning you said that three grams would be enough. That was before we had company, Zach said, nodding at the girls. Dude, when did tour manager suddenly mean drug buyer? When did it not? Look, you'll be fine. Just tense those guns of yours and look intimidating. I'll tell him to meet you at the back of the portaloos. 
Tom reluctantly agreed and wandered back into the arena alone. Zack attributed his general lack of resistance to the fact that the man was still pretty high. The Aussie integrated himself with the members of Mockshade being careful not to insult their genre of music while they were giving him cocaine. It turned out that Duncan, the group's tall keyboardist, happened to be a big fan which instantly skyrocketed him in Zack's estimation, well above the other three. I'd absolutely love to sample your vocals on one of our tracks, man, Duncan told him. I remember the first time I listened to the Cyclones on Neptune album. I was convinced there was a million effects on your voice throughout the thing, but I've heard otherwise. Get that a lot, mate. I'm definitely not opposed to a bit of augmentation when the situation calls for it. All me on that one, though. Seriously, what about the intro of Juven Soliloquy? Huh, I know what you're talking about, and I'll tell you this. I practised Mongolian throat singing for five bloody years to crack that one, and the damn thing wasn't even a hit. Don't even do it at shows these days. You're pulling my leg. Cross my heart. Could you do us a bit now? What? Zack pulled a face. No, no one wants to hear that. You're absolutely wrong there. I'd give my left nut to. Zack laughed. You can keep your nuts intact, mate. Duncan's eyes widened. For real, will you do it? Ah, sod it, I'll give you a little. Guys, Duncan shouted, running over to switch off the sound bar and silence the conversation between his bandmates and the two girls. Everyone listen up, you're about to hear something amazing. The group fell silent, each person wearing a confused expression. Zack took a swig of beer before forcefully clearing his throat. He closed his eyes, took a deep breath in and released it. He began by emitting a kind of low-pitched warbling not unlike the sound of a didgeridoo. Over this, he somehow managed to simultaneously layer an additional two notes. The reverberant trilling then seamlessly took on the form of words heavily elongated and rising in volume. Through my eyes... When the words gained extra syllables, he momentarily broke from the style and adopted a more traditional singing, still maintaining a kind of ethereal quality to his tone. Piercing within, he turned to the pleasant tremulous, bellowing, You! He finished off with a climatic, sonorous cry, shifting several octaves and holding the last powerful note for an extraordinary amount of time. Searching for answers to questions unspoken. He opened his eyes and everyone stared at him for a couple of seconds in stunned silence. Then they all started vigorously clapping and cheering, including Tori and a group he hadn't even noticed were there. He took a sip of beer. The words are pretty meaningless and a bit pretentious sounding, I know, he said casually, but it sounds pretty cool. You, my friend, are one talented bastard, Seb said to him. Unreal, isn't he? Duncan shouted. Don't you think we should sample that shit? Oh, God, yeah, could we do that? You'd get a tidy chunk of the royalties. The Aussie shrugged. Yeah, don't see why not. Zack enjoyed the deluge of admiration he received for the next ten minutes or so, most of all from Lucy, who couldn't seem to keep her hands off him. He felt Zeb's eyes burning into the side of his head and couldn't suppress his delight. Ah, thought you were in there, he thought to himself smugly. Take that, techno prick. And after a while he started to wonder what was taking Tom so long.
When he thought to check his phone, he was bombarded with notifications. There were 13 missed calls and almost as many texts, several of which appeared on the unlocked screen. Guard won't let me back in. Come speak to him. Hello? Oops. Would one of you lads mind accompanying me to the barrier back there? My mate's stuck outside. Duncan eagerly obliged, and they found a disgruntled and significantly sober Tom arguing with the same grumpy security guard from earlier. Upon Duncan's request, he begrudgingly let the non-pass holder inside. You get the full ten off him, was the first thing Zack said to his friend, who sulkily nodded. Never one not to return a favour, Zack immediately dumped two grams worth of his new supply onto Zeb's tablet screen and told the men to have at it, pressuring Tom to join them. Come on, mate, perk yourself back up. I don't even know what to do, he replied. It's easy, pal. Just stick the note up your nose and sniff. The atmosphere backstage gradually became electric. Several more acts and abundance of friends and groupies joined the vibrant festivities. If it hadn't been marred by the god-awful racket blaring through the speakers, Zack would have been having the time of his life. Peering across the small crowd, he suddenly thought it high time to rescue Tori from her new best friend. How's it going, ladies? he asked. We're great, Amber answered. Tori said nothing. Amber, love, I thought you were meant to be heading home by now. Amber checked her phone. Crap, you're right, I should have met my boyfriend an hour ago. Zack chuckled. You came with your boyfriend, where is he? Oh, he leaves me to it at these things. He doesn't like being around me when I take drugs, says I'm too full on. I haven't a clue what he means, muttered Tori, to which Amber remained oblivious. Guys, I don't want to leave. Best not keep your fellow waiting any longer though, love. Her head sunk. Oh, you're right. After stressing to both of them that they needed to add her on every social media platform in the known universe and hugging Tori three agonisingly long times in succession, Amber finally moved on to her friends and then left the enclosure. Tori and Zack joined the others for a while. Eventually, the members of Mockshade became too leery for either of their tastes. Tori called it a night and Zack asked if the two girls wanted to join him and Tom on the tour bus. They were both practically giddy at the idea. Leaving the arena, the affected rock star was appalled to learn that it wasn't possible to taxi it to the side of the camp where all the motorhomes and his bus were situated. Finding the prospect of walking 45 minutes through all the other campsites untenable, he caught the attention of a steward driving a first aid buggy. He bribed the man with the remaining £95 in his wallet and they were driven the whole way back. The girls found this both hilarious and thrilling, while Tom rolled his eyes throughout the majority of the journey. Once inside, the girls were astounded by the interior of Zack's bus. This is bigger than my effing house, Natalie yelled. Help yourself to any of the drinks in the cupboards, girls, and there's beer and champagne in the fridge. Drinks flowed, line after line was racked up and inhaled, and Zack finally got to listen to some agreeable music. Natalie's interest in Tom became increasingly more obvious the longer they parted. By 2am, Zack advised his manager to stop taking cocaine for his own safety, while simultaneously exhorting him to drink harder. His intention was to drink the man under the table and perhaps into a mild coma, and therefore find himself alone with both of the girls. Though he didn't imagine that the little saint would betray his precious morals, he rather wanted to have a crack at both of them, 
He knew Natalie would never go for the idea with girly vest, as he continually referred to him, still in the picture. Soon, Zack's cunning plan prevailed, and after one too many shots of Patron, the tour manager was out for the count. Lucy was straddling Zack on the sofa, intermittently kissing him on the neck, when a disappointed Natalie mentioned leaving the pair to it. Now or never, pal, Zack said to himself. His next move would have to be a bold one. Stating his true intentions presented the very real danger of losing a sure thing with Lucy. On the other side of the coin, he could double his pleasure. It was a high-risk, high-reward strategy. Oh, don't head off, love. He paused and decided to just take the leap. Why don't you uh, come and join us? He felt the pounding in his chest as he awaited the response from both girls. Laughter, a slap. Zack tried to remain impassive as Lucy deliberately caught his eye. Then she smiled. Hallelujah. Yeah, Nat, come and join us. Natalie appeared to mull over the suggestion. Come on, said Lucy softly. Haven't you always wanted to screw a rock star? You absolute diamond, Zack thought. The gorgeous girl with the cornrows stood up and started walking towards them before stopping and pointing a finger at her friend. Don't you dare tell anyone about this, she said quietly. She hopped up onto the sofa next to Zack and placed her hand on his chest. He soon learned that she was a considerably better kisser than her friend. The Aussie kissed both of them for several minutes before making a sudden stock observation in his head. Just pop into the dunny, he said. Don't you two go anywhere. Zack entered the bathroom, full of nerves, and started splashing his face with cold water. Considering the amount of alcohol and drugs he'd consumed throughout the day, he thought it prudent to add some Viagra to the mix. He popped two of them with a handful of water and re-entered the living room. As a diversionary tactic, he decided to open a bottle of champagne and give the medicine time to work its magic. He returned to kissing the girls on the sofa, then helped them out of their shorts and tops without removing a single item of his own clothing. You shy, big fella? Lucy asked him. To this, he immediately stripped down to his boxer shorts. Thankfully, by the time both girls had removed their bras and the three of them had moved into his bedroom, he felt the vasodilating powers of his little blue friend taking effect. Zack still lived for moments like these. After hundreds of similar encounters, they had barely lost their sheen. In all honesty, he had nothing else. No kids, no wife, not even a regular partner to enjoy important moments with. This was where he felt most alive. All of the primal excitement, the sensual fullness of the experience, however, could not prevent it from also feeling somehow vacuous, marred with unshakable sadness. He'd likely never see these girls again, even if he did. They were 22. What the hell did he have in common with them other than a predilection for illegal drugs? He spent the next couple of hours satisfying his carnal urges while leaving his emotional ones entirely unsatiated. Natalie fell asleep first. He watched her for a moment with an overwhelming sense of guilt. You're someone's daughter, he thought to himself. Lucy rambled at him for a while with her head on his chest. She reminded him of the backstage passes he promised to hook her up with for a show taking place in what he deduced was about 15 hours' time. When she finally drifted off, Zack slid himself out from underneath her. He sat up wide awake and aching all over. Just as he considered going outside for a cigarette, he heard the sound of a heavy thud on the side of the bus. What the... His thought was interrupted by a second similar sounding thump. 
who pulled on a pair of jogging bottoms and walked out into the living room. At least three more bangs ensued in the time it took him to do so. He hurried outside barefoot and topless and immediately saw the culprits of the commotion. The two men he'd almost come to blows with at the start of the day were launching a plethora of projectiles at his bus. Amongst which he noticed were eggs and milk gardens. They'd clearly moved on to the harder ammunition now because one of his windows was now sporting a substantial crap. What do you little pricks think you're doing? He roared at the young men. Knew it was his, the skinnier one yelled. What other dickhead would it be? The friend replied. Zack saw red immediately. He marched towards the smaller man with both fists tightly clenched. If you'd like to learn more about J.W. Voice, the author of this story, pop along to the show notes where you'll find a link to him right there. And as for Bear Books Podcast, we're on all your favourite social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. See you on the next episode. Bye.